thinking as we were gathering in church somehow is just a little roomier today in the meeting house. I hope when that final wedding is called that this place will be empty. That we'll all be there. I know we were all invited, well at least probably most of us, to the week wedding this weekend. And uh, that of course is the occasion why many of our number are not here today. <clears throat> I was blessed with the Sunday school hour and with the devotion that uh, was shared this morning as well. <clears throat> and uh, I was thinking, oh, I think that somehow maybe we stepped on similar territory, but I guess that's where we're going to go today. I invite you to Luke chapter 1 for a text this morning. <clears throat> I want to look uh, at the doxology and the prophecy actually, but as a dox doxology of the prophecy of Zacharias, focusing particularly on one particular phrase that he makes. This is after John the Baptist is born. And um, then Zacharias has the, again received the blessing and the occasion that he's able to speak, having not been able to do so for some time. And we begin at verse 67. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up and horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And it's interesting, Zacharias is already speaking as if Jesus was already there. And he's really only referring to the forerunner of Christ. I mean, only the forerunner is present. Christ himself in bodily form is not there, but that this would now be the forerunner. Verse 70, and as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets would have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, now referring to John the Baptist, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet in the way of peace. Those last couple of verses refer to Christ. He does speak about the prophet John the Baptist, what he would do. At the middle of verse 78, it says, Whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That's not John the Baptist. That's referring to the Lord Jesus himself 
and his ministry in verse 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. I like to speak about the day spring from on high. So this is again where it refers to what has been mentioned earlier here about light. People who live in heavy wooded areas, so that's not where most of us find that experience, or those who sleep late, and some people do that, they share one problem. They don't know what a sunrise looks like. There's something special about the rosy hues of morning light that begin to give pink to a dark eastern sky. Something there. And gradually the pink rises and increases in color and it changes to an orange and almost a red. A red and then an orange and then a bright yellow. Even the rest of the sky changes from dark black to purple and then to a lighter blue. And so you begin to see the tinges of sun just edging above the horizon, then you sliver, then a crescent, a half moon, and finally you got this big ball of yellow fire. That means that morning has broken and darkness is gone. Light has come. The scripture refers to Jesus Christ as being the day spring from on high. The beginning of a new day. The beginning of a new time period. Something new. That's never happened before quite like this. Really, Are there ever two sunrises that are the same? Hardly. There's usually at least something different about each sun's sunrise. Maybe it's just that we tend to forget so well. But there's something different about each one. Something special. And here, Zacharias is sa says that the Lord Jesus is the day spring that has visited us, that has come to see us, that has come to join us, that has come to introduce himself to who he is. Let's look first of all at these people <coughs> who are being visited. To give light to them that sit in darkness. That must be a terrible thing. To sit in darkness. To not know what light is about. To wake up and it's dark. And to go to bed and it's dark. And to be around the middle of the day and it's dark. And That must be very, very uncomfortable. When it's always just dark. A brother of mine lived close to the 
toward the, the Arctic, in the, in the Arctic area for a year. And he said, winter was extremely depressing. The sun would, the sliver would just barely rise about the middle of the day. And just like that, within just a short time, it was gone again. And it was just dark, dark, dark. Sure, they had lights. But he said, if you, if, if 23 hours a day or more than 23 hours a day of just darkness, that's all I want, just dark. All the time. He says, it really does something on your emotions. <laughs> I think it did, would work more than just emotions. I understand that if you go about 6,000 feet below water, ocean level. That's when you get into the midnight zone and beyond it's just dark. Light doesn't penetrate that deep and it's just permanently black. Except for artificial light that's down there or bioluminescence which some fish and other uh, biological creatures make which by the way doesn't even produce heat the kind of light they have but it's just black I think that's going to be one of the awful things of hell it's, 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 in the, it's black forever dark now, I don't know how it can be black and yet burning because that's we have, fire produces light but whatever. God definitely knows what he's talking about and he doesn't do things contradictory. I mean, his, his ways may be contradictory to our thinking, but his ways never contradict his ways. But for people to, who sit in darkness, what kind of darkness is that? First of all, there's the darkness just of paganism. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, this is the prophecy, this is the mandate that God gave to Paul, Saul at the time, Paul, on the road to Damascus. And Paul reiterates this before King Agrippa. And he says, this is, this is what Jesus told me. Verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. It was a ministry of Paul to turn people from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. Those are synonyms. To receive forgiveness of sins. Sins, forgiveness. Darkness, power of Satan, sin, all in the same camp. And it was a ministry of Paul to do, to bring these people to light, to God, to forgiveness. We find in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writing there, 
verse 12, he says, This is what our life was like before Christ. That at that time ye were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We didn't even have a sliver, smidgen, hope of light at that point. Strangers from the covenant of promise, no hope, without God in the world. Nothing. And Jesus came to institute a new era, a new light. And to give light to the darkness of paganism. No hope, no nothing, without God, strangers. It seems, as we look at our world situation today, people are, are moving fast into that same kind of an era again. As if somehow, as if the darkness is gone. Brothers and sisters, the darkness is around us, but the light is still here. The light has not gone. It is still here. Those that sit in darkness of paganism, those that sit in the darkness of religion, Jesus does speak about the blind leaders of blind people. Those that would make proselytes, but then make those proselytes twice a child of hell. Just basically take drip, have them come out of one darkness and take them into another. And Zacharias is predicting that Jesus is the one that's going, there's a new day spring on high that's going to bring light to the darkness of heathenism, paganism, and to the darkness of a religion that basically had become a form. And definitely also to just the darkness that sin itself has. Paul writing in, again in Ephesians 2 earlier, when he talks about what the Ephesians were like, what we've been like, and you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our walk of life in times past, and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by children, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. There was nothing good about, about us. Even our righteousness was considered as filthy rags. Every imagination of their thoughts was only evil continually before the fall, and uh, before the, the flood. And I don't think it's been that much different for many since the darkness of sin. People have the idea that somehow sin frees them. Somehow being able to do what I wish to do frees them. Gives them, you know, choice. Those choices never free. What they do is they bring us into darkness. And I asked a question. As you and I work with people every day, tomorrow I plan to fly. I'll sit on several airplanes, first one and then another. 
and I'll get in, be in one airport and then in another one and then in another one. Then I'll drive down a highway and a lot of the people likely that I will meet without passing judgment on them are people in darkness. And whatever work you will be doing and people you'll be encountering tomorrow or even today, I don't know. Likely are people that are in darkness. They're like a man that I saw yesterday. He was he came walking into this into this meeting there with a white cane. I was amazed at how well he could find his way around the place there. But the man probably was in darkness. Couldn't see. Always dark. And probably in this life we'll never be able to see. I don't know the man. So in a hopeless kind of a darkness we'll never know any different. We'll not know what it's like to see light. We'll not know what it's like to see a morning, a sunrise, a sunset, to see colors, to see people, to see things, to see the food he is eating, to see flowers, to see beautiful things. We'll not because it's dark. Just always black. And that's what sin does. And Zechariah says that the Lord Jesus has come as a day spring from on high. And a day spring is here to deliver from darkness. Now, day spring would be would happen every morning. But Zacharias is basically referring to a day spring of a new time, a new era. Not just another morning like yesterday's morning and like the last week's mornings, but a new time like never before. But Zacharias says another thing. He says, to give light to those that sit in darkness, to give light to those that sit in the shadow of death. I don't know. I don't think I've ever been at death's door. I never, I, we never know how close we've ever been with some of the things that happened. On this last trip that I took when we were in Mexico, there was a few times we were driving with one uh, a, a, a brother about my age. And I think he, was, he, 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 was, he wasn't only driving toward death, he was flying toward it. And he had the three of us speakers along with him, and I don't know what the hurry was, but I don't know if he if he thought our life was in, in jeopardy or going to be there if he if he didn't get us there fast enough. But anyway, it was it was almost terrifying at times. So I don't know how close I was to death. But uh, here it says that these people sat, sit in the shadow of death. They stare death in the face. You already see the shadow of it. And likely, if we all live long enough, depending on how our end will be, but likely many people realize it's time to cross the Jordan. Not everybody does that, but many. 
Many have, have that opportunity. That's what happens. These people were sitting there and the shadow is there. But it was not a hopeful shadow. It's talking here, they sit in the shadow of death. A hopeless, there's no way out. You can't turn back and say, ah, no. It's a resigned fate. We move to this. It's a bit like travelers who are overtaken by night and just have to somehow just, this is where we now stop. We don't know where to go. We have to wait till new light shows up. Without hope, Scripture says. Those that sit in the shadow of death without hope. Those that sit in the shadow of death, living with death, hovering over them, pressing in on them, the death of sin, the death of their bodies, and then, of course, the death of an endless future without God, a hopeless end. Those that sit in the shadow of death. It looks like a dark picture without light, without hope. But Zacharias says, upon these kind of people, a day spring has shown up. There is a new day. There is a new time period. There is a new era. And it has come. I'm just wondering, I think if ever it was an exciting time to be alive, it was the time like Zacharias and Mary and Joseph just before Jesus was born, something is happening and we will see it. See, for us, we look back and we see, great! That's wonderful. But for these people that for centuries had were in darkness and now all of a sudden something is about to happen and we are going to be the ones who will actually realize something's happening. We don't know what it will be like, what it will look like, but it will be there. That must have been a tremendous anticipation. That must have given them just a tremendous amount of something to look forward to. Now children, I want to talk to you a little bit about life. And I'm going to use this. I saw this standing here. This is I think they have this sitting there to look pretty because uh, that candle there has never has never been lit yet. I'm not going to intend light it either. Let's just look at light a little bit. Now probably you've as you've been driving around the last week or so and you've been at some stores, you've probably seen lots of lights already, right? All kinds of lights that you don't you don't see those lights in February, March, and April, and May, and, and August, and September. You don't see them then. You see all these lights that people put on their houses, and you see all these lights that people put in their stores. All kinds of lights. They put them in windows. They put them on trees. They put them on buildings. There's all kinds of candles. Light. And they say, well, that has to do with Christmas because there was a star 
and there were angels in glory and all these kinds of things. Really, uh, they... Well, I guess if people want to do that, have these lights, that's all right. Lights can be pretty. They can be enjoyable. I want to talk about a different kind of a light. And that is that there is a person who said, I am light. Now, have you ever seen where light starts? True. If you take uh, two wires and they're negative and positive and you do this, you get a spark, right? Connects and there's a, there's a spark. That's a, that's a light. And if you hold them together there, you'd get a, you'd get a, it would continue to do that. See, that's basically what happens with the lights we have in the building here. It's just connection of, of wires that are passing elect, uh, new, uh, electrons and, and protons and, and all this kind of thing just moving through these wires. And that produces a light. It's a wonderful Invent that's not that's not an invention. It's a wonderful discovery that people found out that God actually made things this way. But Jesus said, "I am the light." So that means that anything that is truly light starts with Jesus. He's the one who made light. Because he is light. So I guess if you are light, you can make light. Nobody else can. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, you and I are not... The Bible says that we are supposed to be like lights. But we, we basically are just the reflectors of lights. If I would light this candle that's inside there, I need a different... That candle won't start by itself. That candle needs somebody to start it. A different light must touch that to make it burn. And just the same way, Jesus, we are supposed to be lights like him. But we don't get our light from ourselves. We don't make light. We get our light from being like Jesus. And then really it is the light he gave us that helps us to be light. Now lights are very important. What do lights do? Tell me. What do you use light for? Yes. All right. Now it's interesting. If it's dark, what do you do? You get light, right? And is it all of a sudden it isn't dark anymore? Let's say it was all black, pitch black outside, and it was black inside here. Do I need to get a big, big light to have light in here that you could see? No. I could probably have a very, very, very tiny little light 
You say, hey, I see a light. And it seems that the blacker it is around, the better you can see even the littlest light. So we use light to see things. They use light to see things inside people when you take x-rays and things like that. I don't know how that all works. But they do that. They use light for that. What else do we use light for? We use light to make things grow. If you go to greenhouses and so on, they very often they have lights hanging in there or they have lights above the plants. It's not just that that plants just are scared of the darkness. They have lights there so that these plants can grow because plants need light to grow. You can't have a plant sitting in a, in a dark room all day. It'll die. It needs light. So light helps things grow. Hel light helps people see things. Light shows us things. Light exposes things. Sometimes you can't find something. Well, we just need to go and get a light and we can see where we couldn't see before. Light makes us feel comfortable. Most of us don't like to be around where it's just dark. We don't like that because we don't know where to go. We stumble, we hit against things, we don't know where we are. But the wonderful thing about light is, like I said before, light is very strong. It doesn't have to be a big light, but as soon as there's a little bit of light, it isn't dark anymore. You don't need a lot of light. As soon as it, you have a little bit of light, it isn't dark anymore. It changes Light changes its surrounding right away. It just does. It's like a man this week when we had ministers meeting. He brought a box and he had it all closed up and he had it all sealed up. And another man was supposed to go and open the box. Guess what was in the box? Nothing. He said, it ran away. He says, this morning I packed this box full of darkness. The room was, it was just dark and I made the box full of darkness. Now you open the box and the darkness is gone. Why? Because he opened the box where it was light. That's what light does. Light changes, its, it drives away darkness right away. Because as soon as there's light, it can't be dark anymore. Not totally dark. It changes. And so, children, that's the important thing I want you to remember about Jesus being the light. When Jesus is around, in your life, at your house, where you are, it's different. It's different. It changes. And that's the important thing that when you and I love Jesus and we follow him and we want to do what he wants us to do and we, and we want to do what he wants us to do that changes things around us. It does.
We may not even always see it. Because we don't, we don't even notice really that these lights are on here today. We probably notice if, if they turn them off that it wouldn't be as bright, but we wouldn't be in the dark place because there's still light from outside and things like that. So we don't even always notice how light changes things. But the darker it is, even the littlest light changes what it's around. After church you come see me and I'll change something about your tummy then too. Okay, let's finish. It does talk here about Christ being the day spring who ushers in the new era. And he says it is the era of light. What changed by Jesus coming? The revelation of salvation. The clarity of the gospel. Up to that point, those things were somewhat of mysteries and and just puzzles of how even people who were not Jewish would be able to have salvation. It's called the mystery. Paul speaks about it frequently as being mystery. That changed by the day spring coming, the new era coming. That the Messiah came who we talked about him in Sunday school in our adult class. The Messiah came. Now we knew what he was like. Up to that point, people had all kinds of ideas. And some of them had rather mistaken ideas as to who this Messiah was, what he would do, what he would be like. Now he's here. God being with us. Jesus the clearest picture of what God ever, that man has ever seen and what God is like. What changed? We saw, man saw a side of God's love that had never been exposed before. That even happens in people's lives sometimes. Sometimes something happens and then we see a side of an individual that's new to us. Does it mean it never was there? Probably not. But somehow maybe it was just covered not the same. Jesus came and exposed the love of God. Or God used Jesus to really expose in a new way what agape is all about. No more dimness about salvation and what the purpose of blood was and how sin could not just be covered but be taken care of. And a clarity of hope that man could now be accepted with God. The visitation of the day spring from on high is here. That morning light, that first streaks of daylight. Not just the rising of the sun, but the rising of morning light itself. Jesus is a day spring. Not just coming from a horizon as if it's just, you know, as the earth moves, you know, then. No, but from heaven itself. 
that morning star. The scripture refers to him as that several times. A rising of Christ's light now visited us. There are several verses I want to just refer to, basically by reading them, that talk about Christ being the light. The first one in Numbers 24. A prophecy made about Jesus. Verse 17. I shall see him. Now this is this is uh, Balaam prophesying. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. A star will come out of Jacob. Some of these verses were already read this morning. The people that sat in darkness saw a great light. Matthew chapter 4. Those that sat in the regions of the shadow of death, light has sprung up. Did Jesus bring physical light? No, that was here. Days, night, passed on, just like always. But a spiritual light came when Jesus came. In Isaiah 60, 1 and 2, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness to people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And so the light of Christ is not just illumination of Christ's ministry, of Christ's, ministry, of Christ's work, but it is also a revelation of His glory. It's not just a glaring bright spotlight that reveals sin, that makes people uncomfortable with it, stares you in the face, but is a light of glory. There's something that that light can do. Yes, light can do. Light can be used to cut. Light can be used to destroy. The light can also be used to, to illuminate, magnify, glorify, make something, enhance it with a beauty. That's what rainbows are. Basically, it's just light, reflections of light. And there's other things that, that light does to just magnify glorify things, make them pretty. And so the light, Christ, is the light that has revealed, magnified God. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. The light of Christ does not only illuminate, it brings healing. John chapter 1 verse 4 John says in him was life and his life was the light of men the light of Christ is life 
Just like plants need life to exist, to grow, to thrive. The life of Christ is actually what gives people light. You look at people that are born again, that have Jesus in their hearts. There's something there that, that just makes them different than others. Should. John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Just like if we would light this candle and we would go out, and if you would follow me as I carry this out in the pitch blackness, we would be able to at least see where we're going because there'd be a light. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for God, <coughs> verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus who is the light reveals to us the Father. 1 John 2.8 The darkness is past, the true light now shines. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The gospel, what Jesus has brought to us, gives us light, marvelous light. A light that frees us, a light that gives us joy, a light that, that gives us hope, a light that gives us satisfaction it does in John chapter 3 Jesus said these words and this is verse 19 to 21 this is the condemnation that light has come unto the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil now there are people that are uncomfortable with light and that's evil people that's why most bad things are done where other people don't see. Where other people don't realize when it's dark. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds, their hearts are evil. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light. He doesn't expose because light exposes lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. If you do what is right, you don't need to worry about who sees it. Because truth is okay. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Light is come into the world. Now we are not the day spring. Jesus is that. But we become the carriers. We become the reflectors of this day spring. Just like this lantern carries the light. And so we become the candle on which the light shines. And this is what Zechariah says. This is what John the Baptist will do. He will be like a prophet. 
He will be the one who will go before the face of the Lord to prepare. He will be the light or he will be the one that draws attention to the light. And so that's our ministry as well. Finally, in closing, what are the blessings of the day spring? We've already covered them by reading some of the scriptures that we did. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Three things the gospel reveals. It gives light to our darkness. As I read in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light that Jesus has brought erases ignorance. Ignorance is terrifying. Ignorance is uncomfortable. Ignorance doesn't free. Ignorance holds people bound. Light is the instrument to reboot. Jesus is the instrument that removes ignorance. We don't need to stumble anymore. We don't need to fear anymore. And so, are you and I walking in the light? Or are we enjoying the darkness? Is there a light glowing in our life? Not glaring, <laughs> glowing. What are you and I seeing? Secondly, the gospel is, first of all, it's revealing. Secondly, it's reviving. What you said about light gives life. It's a light of life. It gives light to those who sit in darkness. We could read verses like Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 61. And we ask, is the light of Jesus causing you to grow? Some people will say, well, I have not been growing in the Lord. Is it because the light has become dim? lives is the light the right uh, measured correctly is there the right measure of life that we can grow and thirdly the gospel is also directing us to guide our feet into the way of peace the bible says that thy word is a light a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119, 105. It is. It's a light. The gospel, the truth, the word of God reveals. The word of God guides. Just like travelers, we can now go on because the road is now open. And so how are you and I walking? Do we have light? Or are we stumbling and staggering around, bumping into things? because we don't have light. So no longer do we need to sit, wander around in darkness. No longer do we need to sit, looking hopelessly ahead at what fate will bring. No longer do we need to look in the moonlight of the Old Testament and wonder 
about this whole package of salvation. Why? Because the new era, the day spring from on high, has come. There is light.